You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. Well, this is uh, week five in a series that we've been doing called We Believe. Uh, I've absolutely loved this series. Uh, For those that are just joining us, the Nicene Creed was written 1,700 years ago because the Emperor Constantine... The Roman emperor said he wanted a church united in doctrine. And we've looked at week one, Almighty Father. Week two, the Eternal Son. Week three, the Present Spirit. Week four, Baptism and the Church. Now, before I get jump into week five, which is going to be the best, we're going to take a moment just to, to read the creed together. It's two sides of this. And so let's all read this out loud together. We believe... of heaven and earth and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and our salvation, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In many respects, this just seems so different to what we celebrate today. I was thinking about it. Let's be really frank. We live in a society where actually we really want to enjoy the here and the now. Pepsi Max, their slogan is love it and live it. British Airways, the world is full of opportunities. Don't let them pass you by. My favorite film ever, Dead Poet Society. Seize the day, make your lives extraordinary. Student debt. Don't worry about paying it off, just spend it today. (laughs) Technology. We focus on the second that we're living in rather than the day or the week or the month. Even church, so often the challenge is we come and we expect a sermon that will make our week better, but are we really thinking longer term? J.I. Packer, he was a British-born Canadian theologian, said this, Hearts on earth say in the course of a joyful experience, I don't want this to ever end, but invariably it does. The hearts of those in heaven say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. There can be no better news than this. 
This is such a, a challenge for us. I'm not going to expect you to put your hands up right now, but I've been watching a television series on Sunday evening. Some of you might have seen it called Vanity Fair. Yet my wife likes period costume dramas, so I sit there and enjoy, endure them with her. They had a slogan on it, which I found interesting. Everyone is striving for what's not worth having. The whole story of this over the weeks that we watched it is everyone is striving for what is not worth having. Let's be honest, we all want to strive for the here and now in life. I discovered this week that the average Londoner, you can now work out whether you're an average Londoner or not, spends £6,300 a year on making themselves look good. 6,000, that, that's including your gym membership of 601 pounds a year. Average. Isn't that fascinating? We are so caught up with the here and now. How do we ever grasp eternity? Eternity. Resurrection is what we were talking about there. So I thought we'd just have a, a little analogy. I thought I'd get my wife to do a bit of running. So if you want to take this ball of string and, and pass it around there, Leslie will stand, I'm sure, and hold it. How on earth do we ever concept, grab a concept? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep going all the way around. David at the back, he would just hold the string as well. That's it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> We're going to take another offering in a moment, and no one can get out. <laughs> I need some really big people at the back. Mark, if you can just hold it there as well, Mark. That's great. Yeah, yeah keep, keep going, Leslie. This is brilliant. So what on earth has all this got to do... Yeah, if I could grab someone just at the back corner. Edward, you got it there? And Leslie, have you finished? It's just about finished. Now, I don't know how many of you can see here. I've got a knot in this piece of string. Anyone see it? Or do you believe me? Yeah, after what Sam said earlier, you've got to believe me because I'm telling you the truth. I'm the pastor. <laughs> There's a knot here. That is this life. And the rest of the string is like eternity. And what I want us to think about this morning is so often we spend so long thinking about this little knot. What happens here and now? Actually, eternity doesn't end. I guess I should have just left the string out the, the room or the door and thought, oh, this is it. So this is the one little bit that we spend all this time, 6,300 pounds a year trying to make sure that we look good for this knot. This is how we decorate our houses, make sure our cars are nice, go have all these experiences for this knot. And yet this morning I'm trying to think, what about the rest of the string? What about eternity? Okay, guys, you can just lay that on the floor. Thank you very much. You see, I think that if we think about eternity, we put our lives into perspective. We're part of a bigger story and not just today, not just this Sunday. If we think about eternity, we realize that God has a plan and it's not just about the here and now. If we think about eternity, we think about a sovereign God who's got purposes rather than just what I am gathering here and now. If we think about eternity, we think about heaven as our home rather than the here and now. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, 
that they've become so ineffective in this. And that actually what the Bible is trying to say is, look, it's great what you're doing here today, this week, but when do you stop and think about eternity? The creed, the part that I'm focusing upon now, is we look for the resurrection of the dead for the world to come. All Christians believe this. One, that Christ will come again. All Christians believe that it will be a personal return of Christ. All Christians believe that there is a purpose to his return, that he will marry the bride, his church, that all mankind will be judged and all creation will be transformed. All Christians believe this, that nobody knows the time of the return of Christ. So let's not think about all these things that we don't know Actually, in the light of eternity, we do believe this together. I'm going to suggest this morning that you have got three choices to make in the light of eternity. How are you choosing? Three choices. The first one I'm going to say is choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. I don't know if that song, I Ran Out of That Grave, is based upon this scripture. I should know. I think if it wasn't, they missed an opportunity. So I'm going to say it is. John chapter 11 tells us the story of Lazarus, who is a friend of Jesus, whose sister are Mary and Martha. Lazarus is dead and has been buried. He's been dead four days. We know that is significant in the Jewish thinking. Three days, there was some talk about the spirit hovering. On the fourth day, the spirit would have departed. That's what they believed. It was four days later, Jesus came. He was totally dead. Says John 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see, we've got a choice here. Will we choose to follow Jesus Christ? It's easy to say, oh, we don't know things about the future. What we do know is there was an empty grave. We do know that actually Jesus died was buried, but actually then the grave was empty. I'm certain there was an empty grave. Christianity does not face the way of the tomb of Jesus Christ and say, oh, he was a good man and he just died for us. It says he rose again. It's an empty tomb. Because if not, the religious leaders would have said when the disciples started saying he's alive, no, he's not, we've got the body here. It's an empty tomb, isn't it? Because we know full well that otherwise the Romans who might wanted to put down this insurrection would have said, look, there's nothing to this. We've got the body here. We know there's an empty tomb because the disciples wouldn't all want to die for a lie. And many of them were murdered for the belief in the empty tomb. We know there's an empty tomb. We know that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. But we also know that Jesus is the first fruits. Where do I get that term from? In 1 Corinthians, it's a letter that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam, we believe in Adam, sin entered the world, so all die. Christ makes those. So, so in Christ, all will be made alive. Christ, the first fruits, when he comes. I find it amazing. Jesus Christ rose again and he offers us life. Man alive. I should have a few more hallelujahs in the place, I would think. Some of you are denying your heritage. Let it go. <laughs> now you say to me, oh, if I choose Christ, what about judgment? You see, so often we don't like this because we think, oh, if there's really a God of love, how does God judge? You see, I believe that when he comes again, he will right every wrong. Now, I quite like that when that applies to other people. Yeah, if you knew what Paul had done to me. Well, I'm not going to have a go at him. I'm just leaving him in the hands of God. Because <laughs> God's got bigger. I'm just making this up. Paul hasn't done anything. Hmm, not that I can think of at the moment. <laughs> the reality is you think, I, I, I can leave it. God would judge. God would do things. God would put things right. I quite like that when it comes to other people. How do I feel about it when it comes to me? And then I think, but will he judge? Because he loves us. If somebody was to walk in this room and attack my daughter, I would feel angry. Angry doesn't stop me loving, it's a result of me loving. And I think sometimes we think, you know, I'd want to I'd get a hold of that person. I want to stop them. I want to bring some resolution to that. Why they've attacked my daughter? I don't judge because I'm angry. I judge because I love. I think the danger is that we've thought, oh, we separate this, this sense of God as a judge and the God who loves it. How could God, oh, if he loves everyone, he's just going to forgive everything. I think actually there will be a day when we stand before him and that he will judge. I guess if I'm really honest, our danger is that we separate sin into quantity rather than quality. What do I mean by that? We think, I've not sinned as much as somebody else, so hopefully I'll be okay on that day. Man alive. I mean, if you knew the sins they've committed. I mean, who could we pick? He's not in the room. Hitler. Oh, golly. I mean, the atrocities that guy did. So we, we think it as a quantity thing. We think, oh, it's terrible. Whereas actually the Bible says it's a quality thing. Our sin separates us from God. So we have the choice now on earth whether we say sorry and accept his forgiveness. My first choice to say in the light of eternity is this. Choose Jesus. Don't trust in yourselves. I'm sure the guys will do it later on. We've used this booklet, Why Jesus? Why? Partly because we'd love you to be able to take hold of these booklets and offer them to your friends. Because when they say to you, oh, I don't quite know what to pray on page 18, it says, Lord Jesus, basically you say, thank you for dying for me. Please forgive me. Sorry for what I've done. It's three simple words. I would say today, in the light of eternity, choose Jesus. Some of you have, some of you haven't. That's your first choice. Second choice, choose radical life. Choose radical life. Paul, again, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, 13 books, we believe, out of the 27, wrote to the church in Philippi. Paul, at this time, 
He was in prison. He was living radical. He writes this, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will be more fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He had such this radical mindset. I know that we now start um, thinking about euthanasia in this society, but often when it's things are going wrong, when people are suffering, and they think, oh, could I choose to end it all? Actually, Paul, you could say, was in the prime of his life. But actually, he was saying, you know, I mean, if, if someone, if, I don't know, a young mum was to say to me right now, I've got two kids, but actually to choose heaven, we think, really? Because we all choose this life. We all want the here and the now. We are not called to count the years in our life, but to make the years in our life count. Do we do that? A year ago today, Nikki and I were in New York. Hmm. We'd been married for 25 years, and we decided to go and have a few days looking around the great city. I had um, booked into this hotel, which was my first mistake. As we arrived in the hotel, I noticed there was a bullet hole in the lift. And I thought, hmm, I don't think this hotel is quite as smart as the pictures that I saw. And while I'm stood there trying to sign in, there is water coming through the ceiling into the entrance hall. Mm, I don't think this was great. In fact, when we got in the room, the carpet was so dirty, we used to wipe our feet leaving the room rather than going in. <laughs> it wasn't my greatest moment. If I asked you here, who here has stayed one night in a hotel? Anyone just raise your hand? Okay. Who here has decorated the hotel while they've been there for a night? <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest we don't even though I was in this mess in New York I didn't think you know what I could get a paintbrush out I, I could really do this I could rip the carpet I could make the place better because I thought I'm only staying for a few days I'm passing through it's not my home the reality is do we think like that with life how has it all got to be sorted and neat how oh, if it's not then I've got to rush around and I've got to suddenly change it Or do we think, no, no, I'm just passing through. This is not my home. Paul says, our citizenship in Philippians 3 is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, he's another uh, writer of one of the letters. One Peter said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from sinful desires. Which, you know, it's almost like if you live in this world, you're an alien and a stranger. It's like you're just staying in a hotel room. This is not your home. Far better, we're called to live radical lives of boldness, adventure, and generosity. Whoa, this could suddenly change everything. If I thought about that, that knot on that string... You see, what I do here and the radical life I do here will affect all of eternity. How do I invest my time in this little knot affects the whole of eternity? Where do I use my money? 
in this little knot affects the whole of eternity. Will I choose to forgive? Affects eternity. How much time do I spend worshipping or praying? You see, I've got this little life. I'm past, but actually it will reverberate through eternity. What is so important to me? Look, I, I want to be totally honest with you. I find this a real challenge. I love living in Ealing. I love living in London. If you're visiting from outside, stay forever. This is great. But then the challenge is, I can chase after every experience. I said, Nicky and I walking along this morning, you know, we're just walking along and I said, oh God, I'm preaching on this. Oh, I feel so challenged myself. How do I spend my time? How do I invest my energy? Randy Elkhorn, he's written a book, Money, Possessions and Eternity. I've quoted him many times when speaking on this subject. He says, by clinging to what isn't ours, we forego the opportunity to be granted ownership in heaven. But by generously distributing property on earth, we'll become property owners in heaven. I mean, he's just challenging how radical are we when it comes to giving. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. We have done the offering. The string I see is being removed. You will be let out without another one. How generous are we? Because if I'm really thinking this little knot on about eternity, would that change the way I was thinking? I think that's one thing. The other thing I would like to challenge you on is how distracted do we become in this life rather than eternity? C.S. Lewis, he was a British writer. He, studied, he, he was involved in Oxford and Cambridge. He said this, Our Father, talking about God in heaven, refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. It's almost like as you go through life, you can get some pleasant inns that you stay in. But don't mistake it for home. Choose a radical life. I think this is a real challenge to us. Many of us say, oh, I've chosen Jesus. Will we choose a radical life? What's the third choice that I'd like to bring out of this whole challenge of he is resurrected. We will be resurrected. We believe in eternity. The third thing I would say is you, you have to choose to hope. Choose to hope. You see, when times are tough, remember this season is temporary. Times are tough, remember this season is temporary. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs. Hang on, this was written by the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, I mean, they used to literally whip people in those days. You weren't allowed to have 40 lashes, so they only ever did 39 in case they miscounted. So you could do 40, they didn't want to go beyond, so they do 39 in case there was a miscount. I think he had that three times. I mean, this was a guy that was shipwrecked goodness knows how many times. This was a guy that was thrown in prison. This was a guy that literally they got rocks and they stoned him, assuming that he was dead, and then he'd get up and preach again. 
This was a guy who says, God, I'm, I'm tossed and blown around in the sea. It was no sort of lifeboats in those days, clinging onto wood with no swimming certificate to his name. And he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think it was Fat Fish. I can't remember. There used to be a song, I was going to say probably 15 years ago. We used to sing in church, there is a day that all creation's waiting for, a day of freedom and liberation for the earth. And on that day, the Lord will come to meet his bride. And when we see him, in an instant, we'll be changed. So lift your eyes to the things as yet unseen that will remain now for all eternity. Though trouble's hard, it's only momentary. And it's achieving our future glory. Choose hope. The danger is that we use that word in this life and we think, oh, I hope I get the job. Hope I get the girl. Hope I live happily ever after. But God's hope doesn't disappoint. And sometimes we treat God like we hope for things in this world. It says in Romans 5, hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. I am not promising you an easy life if you choose Jesus and you choose radical life. But I am saying believe in hope. Some people, you would endure a marriage that's painful for years. And you think, oh, should I get out? No, I'm staying here because I trust God and I hope. Some of you think, God, in my health, it's just not great. I trust God. Some of you think, oh, my finances, the business never really taken off. I've got to trust God in all the difficulties. Hope. Hope. Paul blesses the church in Ephesians. He says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. C.S. Lewis, if any of you, I mean, some of you have seen the film, The Lion, the Witch, and the wardrobe. Some of you have read some of the books. His last book was called The Last Battle in this set. And you've had all these adventures. And he's like, oh, you know, Peter and all this, you know, they've done all these kind of amazing things. He says this, all their life in the world and all the adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. There's this sort of sense of hope. My hope is built in him, not in myself. So, I believe that Christ has risen. I believe that we will rise. I believe there is an eternity and we therefore need to make three choices. I'm encouraging you to choose Jesus. I'm encouraging you to choose a radical life. I'm encouraging you to choose hope.
John Tillerstone, which you all think, oh yes, he's a famous guy I know. Never heard of him, I'm sure. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1600. He said this, He who provides for this life, but takes not care of eternity, is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. He says, look, if you were planning, the Archbishop of Canterbury said this, this was like, you know, Hundreds of years ago, if you're just planning for this life and not thinking of eternity, you are a fool forever. I'd like to tell you the story of Shackleton. Shackleton was a British polar explorer. Some of you may have read this story. It's called Endurance. Here is the guy. His men decide to go and... uh, Cross Antarctica, which is 1,800 miles. He takes 28 men on this boat. The boat gets stuck in ice. They spend five months camping in the ice. They then think the boat gets crushed. So they think, right, we've got to try and get out. So they manage to get six folk onto a, a, a rowing boat. And they row in minus 30 degrees to a place called Elephant Island. And then they have to climb. Oh, they then have to sail another 900 miles to another island. They then have to climb 26 miles. Only three of them do that, by the way, to the whaling station. He then manages to secure a boat from the whaling station to go back and rescue his men. Three times he goes back there and they cannot get through because the ice has so got through that, you know, he just can't. Get there, it's it's frozen over. On the fourth attempt, they literally sail into where he'd left his men. They have one hour to get the men on the boat and to get out before the ice comes back again. And they get all the men out. And you know why? Because the men used to say every day, get your things ready, boys. The boss may come today. And so the men that had been left frozen there and camping, every day they said they used to wake up when the sun came up, they used to roll up their sleeping mats, and they used to say, get your things ready, boys, because the boss may come today. And they all got out. Do we live like that for God? Get your things ready, because the boss may come today. Get your things ready. The boss may come today. I want to challenge us to live with an eternal perspective. Because if not, we major in the momentary and minor in the momentous. We major in what goes on. Hey, God, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? Where am I going to travel? What am I going to do for Christmas this year? And we forget the things of eternity. Christ has risen. He's coming back. How do we prepare for all of eternity? Let's pray. I just want to have time for you to answer those three questions. Will you choose Jesus? I know Rich will cover that one in just a moment. Will you choose radical life? And will you choose hope? If you think, yeah, I want to choose radical life. You think, no, I do want to choose hope. I don't want to give in to despair. 
I'm going to ask you to stand now. And this is really, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for us all to say, actually, in the light of eternity, we don't just want to get caught up in this life. We want to think about this. So if you're staying here, sat here this morning, you're thinking, no, Pete, in the light of this, I, I, I want to choose a radical life for Jesus. Why don't you stand? And if you're saying, no, actually, I want to choose hope. I want to choose to trust him. That day that I'm going to look him in the eye, why don't you stand? Jesus, I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. I thank you we are convinced there is an empty tomb. (laughs) Jesus, I feel challenged myself. I pray with all those that have stood that we choose radical lives for you. Oh God, I get so attracted by all that glistens and shines at me. I get so fixated on the knot at the beginning of this string. God, I want to live for you for eternity. God, I want to choose hope. I want to choose to trust you and your promises and your word and what you say for eternity. I know this is going to be painful in the next days and weeks and months. God, I do want to surrender all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.